everyone, and welcome back to another edition of the SBK Betting Podcast. It is actually really the first episode of 2024, as last week we were on the sidelines after the abandonment of Sandown, and it was kind of an abandonment everywhere, really, and we've had a lot, a lot of cold weather, and we're hoping that this weekend is not going to be put to one side as well. It's just going to get colder, but hoping that we're going to have a really good Saturday race days racing. As we've got Kempton, we've got Warwick, but we've also got Fairy House and SBK are delighted to begin their sponsorship of a series of race meetings in Ireland over the next few weeks. And Fairy House will be the start of them. More of that later, but please, we've got TC and we've got Ross uh, joining joining us as always. Abandonment of Sandown, but Ross, really pleased that the Veterans Chase has been rescheduled, albeit with a slight prize money deficit. I know that you did a bit of work to try and try and unearth the reasons around that. I got with caught up with so much race and politics as we're at the moment. Couldn't really go into the nitty gritty of it, but we do have a race back for those veterans, which is which is the positive at least. Yeah, really relieved. I was starting to worry sort of midway through Monday when there'd been no sort of announcement. And already in Ireland, they'd announced that the track, you know, the card they'd lost had been rescheduled for Friday. It was going to be free for everyone to get in. You know, the machine seemed to work very well there. Admittedly, they have lots more gaps in, the, in, their, in their racing calendar. I was starting to get a bit worried through sort of Monday afternoon that, um, you know, it wasn't going to be on. So I actually messaged a couple of friends that, that train and they hadn't heard anything either. And then it was on and it's at Warwick. And I think that's a perfectly suitable track. I would have been disappointed if we'd gone somewhere like Kempton. I think Kempton and Sandown are just so different. Warwick, I think, you know, proper testing ground, which they were going to get at Sandown. It's really important that these veterans get their day. And it's really important, as, as the trainers put me, you know, they, they've campaigned their horses around qualifying for this and, to, you know, and, and have undergone some you know expense to travel to tracks to qualify. If it had gone missing, that would have been a real shame. So I'm delighted it's on. A, for the trainers and connections, and, and B, selfishly for myself, because I just love seeing these old horses uh, do their thing at, at their age. Yeah, and also the ground is actually, looks like it will be soft. There isn't a huge amount of rain around. It's probably going to be a better level playing field for the horses. It was going to be really testing over that marathon trip at Sandown, and it might throw a few more horses into it. Veterans Chase is one of several races we could have looked at, but... We've got some really good graded action this weekend, and we're going to begin with the Sylvanarchy Conti Chase, which does just have five runners at Kempton on Saturday, which also has the Lanzarotti Hurdle, a big competitive handicap. But this Sylvanarchy Conti Chase, we really wanted to focus on as as renewals go by. Sometimes this horse, this race lacks a bit of depth, and as I said, only five runners, but it has a really interesting feel to it. Banbridge has been pinpointed by Joseph O'Brien for some time now. We haven't seen him since Aintree when he won the Grade 1 Novice Chase. It's his first time at Open Chuck Company, uh, JJ7 on board. He's the sort of young pretender up against uh, the likes of Edward Stone, now a 10-year-old since the new year. He's stepping up and trip for the first time, which looks the obvious route for the Alan King horse. Tom Cannon on board, who's already spoken this week about how this is the right thing for the horse who's chased home John Bond on the last two occasions. Last is winner Pick Dory, who you have to say won a, a slightly weaker renewal of this race, but has since won uh, a couple of times, including that very uh, slightly controversial run at, at Ascot last time, which saw Shishkin refuse to race. Uh, Laura Morgan's star horse, not long till May, and Willie Mullins, who's no slouch, sends over Janadil. So I really like the look up makeup of this race. And from a betting perspective, it's probably uh, TC quite difficult to 
to price up because you've got horses with a lot of potential despite their ages. Edwardstone, plenty of potential at this trip, but Banbridge could be a better horse as he gets older. Yeah, it's a real good little race. By the way, it's freezing uh, back in England, back in England from Saudi Arabia. If you can't uh, realise by looking at me right now, I am cold. It's also 8.30. What are we doing? Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's a very good race. There's not bundles of value bouncing around because of the small field and the fact that we just don't know with plenty of these horses, as you've just said. But uh, it's worth noting that favourites have done very well in this race with seven of the last 10 winners. Uh, and also Paul Nichols has won three of the last four. If you go back through that roll of honour, only one horse in the last decade has been sent off at bigger than two to one and won the race. So usually when it comes to the Silvignaco Conti, it pays to follow the horses at the top in the market because it generally lacks depth and also a big field size. And we get that again. There is slightly more depth this year, granted. Last year, Thrinil, where Pickdor he won, he beat virtually nothing. Um, but I thought that the way he did it last year, winning by 18 lengths, was super impressive. And we know with Pickdor he that he loves the track. He loves this trip. And he loves the test uh, that he will get in this race in the Silvignaco Conti. So therefore, he has to be considered the solid option. Now, when I was looking at the field, yes, you can make a case for virtually all the runners, even Jaladil, uh, given he, he's trained by Willie Mullins. But they all come with uh, big negatives or slight concerns, in my opinion. Um, and therefore, I have to stick with the solid option in the race, which is Pick Dorhey. Going through those concerns, Bambridge, a horse I really like. I genuinely think he's better going left-handed. Maybe he'll win this race. Maybe he's capable of just jumping these horses into submission. But I think maybe the track's not ideal for him. Uh, not long till May is yet to prove that he's capable of winning at the level. That's not to say he can't. He's gone very close on a number of occasions, but he's yet to prove that he can really uh, do it and beat these kind of horses. And Edward Stone, look, he's quite clearly the class horse in the race. He's a three-time grade one winner, uh, very capable at his best. However, he hasn't won a race for over a year. Uh, he's only ever once gone over this kind of trip where he finished third. It was a fine effort that day. Obviously, in a much weaker race, I think it was a Potemps qualifier or the Potemps final, either or. Uh, and he kind of faded in the last 100 yards. Doesn't mean he can't get the trip, but it's just a question mark for me. Um, when we're talking about Pick Dorhey, we know he gets the trip. We know he likes the track. He's also 12 from 28 in his career. I find like this horse is always over, um, just overlooked in these kind of races. Now, I know he's not a bona fide grade one performer. But he is a bona fide grade two performer. He's already proven that. He's desperate for Harry Cobden to be aboard. Uh, they get on super well and they're going to team up once again. And I just think he could probably bounce out in front and dictate matters. So I'll stick with Pick Dorhey. Yeah, a really good case for Pick Dorhey. I, I know what you mean. He's There's something, and there are horses that come around like this that you just can't get on board with. There's just something that you can't warm to them about. And I don't know what it is. Something maybe from his younger days. I don't know why. They've definitely got the best out of him as he's got older, but he's still not hugely likable for some reason. I don't know why. And there's no... It's probably a little... Slightly a little bit like surname was. I, I just don't know what it is. And I think that maybe it is because he's never really been able to get to that grade one, like properly grade one level, albeit he did win at Aintree grade one. So Pickdor, he, if he does go on and win this, then he, he does cement himself as as a really, really talented and good horse because he's beating some uh, very fine horses in doing so. But it just, it's, you wonder if Shishkin had lined up properly, would he have beaten him at, at last time? Was he given that race at Ascot? Is he flattered just a little bit? And that's my thinking around him. But it's funny, Ross, if you look at the betting again, 
is to say Banbridge at the top of this around about nine to four. He's the lowest officially on ratings by some way. You know, Janadil, um, who's right at the biggest price of these, is a rating of 161. Uh, Banbridge is 155. You know, Edward Stone being as he is, he deserves. He was a 170 horse at his peak. So it's, as I said, potential with Banbridge over anything else. And I just think looking at Edward Stone, he's not exactly regressing. He's one of those horses that as he gets older, just the stamina is coming into play. He lacks as much speed. So it's uh, with him, really, it's about what could be with a horse like this. And we know he likes it around Kempton and he might just be a class above. Is Would that be your reading of it? Yeah, it was it was where I eventually came down to. I mean, I, I initially looked at it. I mean, essentially, right-handed, two-mile-four, this sort of grade, just pick Dory, isn't it? Like, he, he's just really good at this level. But I watched his run back last time, and okay, Shishkin didn't jump off. To answer your question, yeah, Shishkin would have kicked him into next week. There's, no, there's just no doubt about that in my mind. They're just complete different class of horses. But you watch it back, and in what was essentially an absolute gimme, of a race, he made very hard work of putting away Straw Fan Jack, I thought, and he only won by the 16 length because Straw Fan Jack went beyond his range and, and finished absolutely legless. But turning in, you could almost see Harry Cobden sort of look and think, oh, crikey, they're a lot closer than I wanted them to be, and press the button, not an awful lot happened. I love Pictori's jump. He's really athletic. He just takes a bit of organising. His brain and his body don't always link up very well, and Harry Cobden's very good at just riding with his hands off, up off the neck a little bit and just keeping the horse's head in the air, as he did with surname. But his jumping last time was really scrappy. And that was when he was in front being allowed to do his own thing. Of course, they've got chance to remedy that and do a bit of schooling. But I don't think he's going to get an easy sight at these. Um, and then you go back and look at what he beat last year. I mean, it was not much of a race last year. Aintree, he was impressive, but I've never been the biggest fan of Fakadudri. And Minella Drama was only seven lengths behind in third. So I, I couldn't really fancy him. Bambridge, I'm with TC. I mean, I think we're the TC and I, the Bambridge fan club. You know, he's, he's done us really well. And I know we both fancied him for the Turners last year and he didn't run. And he was then very good at Aintree. But he's good ground is essential. I think TC is right. I think left-handed. And at Aintree, he did take a fair while to, to get to the front. He, he showed less pace than I thought he would actually. And Therefore, going right-handed on this flat track, I'm just a little bit concerned about him. And you're right, he's got he's got to find at least £4, maybe 5 even with the £3 allowance that he gets from uh, Pick Dory and Edward Stone. So when I looked at the race and I could see cases for the three at the head of the market, you know, I like to then go and try and make a case for the outsider, which is, for me, not long till May. He's rated 156, he gets £6, puts him up to about 162 and I think he's underrated. I think, you know, his, his form behind stage star is, is solid. Um, but I'm really concerned about the ground for him. He's not really got form on ground this quick. And then if I could forgive that, I just struggle to, when you couple together that Laura Morgan has gone 53 days without a winner and they're not even getting close in the last 14 days. I think she's had four pulled up and the rest have finished out with the washing. It's hard to, to, to convincingly make a case for all that I will not be surprised if not long till May is, is bang there. So I came down exactly with your thinking, Edward Stone. Now you will have people say, oh, he's now a 10-year-old. Well, yeah, he's a 10-year-old by two weeks. You know, it's 
if you didn't say, oh, he's now a nine-year-old, you can't say, oh, he's now a 10-year-old. When he goes out to grass and comes back in next season, okay, maybe the fact he's had a bit of a rest and he's got to go back through all the prep and all the rest of it, that's when I think they can start to think about their age a bit. 10 years old in January doesn't bother me at all. Three-time grade one winner, twice a winner around Kempton, unseated the other time. He's only been beaten twice, including that unseat when he goes right-handed. This is his ground. The trip is maybe a mild concern, but he stayed two mile four really well in a top entry handicap at the entry festival, went over hurdles, stayed all the way to the line. If you stay two mile four over hurdles, you're almost certainly going to stay two mile four over fences. He's the only horse in this lineup that's ever got anywhere near 170, and he's been 170 a number of times. Um, so he's the selection. Yeah, also a June fall. So he's only 10 by default, really. He's he's a baby. He's still a baby, <laughs> dear Edward Stone. He's been campaigned so well and that they've always spaced out his race as well. They've always looked after him. Alan King's very good at that. And you've got to remember, at the end of last season, we're thinking, ah, is this horse really, is he still is he still up for it? And I actually think what he's done chasing home John Bond's been no mean feat. And last time at Sandown, even better. Um, that was on very heavy ground, though. I wonder... Uh, being slightly on the quicker side if that really suits him but he he does he does seem to have the form around it and he he does like it at Campton albeit it had that very uncharacteristic unseat didn't he um over Christmas time and a couple of seasons ago but I'm with you I'm with Edward Stone I'm really looking forward to seeing him step up and trip I think this uh, brings out a new lease, lease of life with him uh Pick Door he it will have his limitations for me Banbridge has got a bit to prove around here um Joseph O'Brien it's funny he's I remember a while back he said he's really going to pair back on his jump string and you really can see it you know he, he hasn't had many right runners over jumps at all but the ones he has had have done very well indeed he he's had he had five winners from just 16 runners in December which is a, a very small amount considering how much racing they have in Ireland over the December period so Bambridge might be one of his big flag bearers over over in the National Hunt Code as he turns his attention to the flat but that is a silver Nocky Conti chase a really good renewal a lot of um, looking forward to that Edward Stone for Ross and I and uh, TC will keep with last year's winner pick Dorhey. Now I said at the beginning of the show that SBK are beginning a, a series of sponsorship over in Ireland and uh, we love Irish racing and this weekend and um, they're sponsoring at Fairy House which include the Dan and Joan Moore Memorial Handicap Chase. They'll also be back sponsoring at Fairy House on Saturday January 10, 27th which is the Solarina Stakes, the graded race for the mares and then they'll be back at Punchestown on the 5th of February as well so plenty to look forward to from an SBK uh, sponsorship perspective and really really good racing to sponsor because the Dan and Joan Moore Memorial Handicap Chase has always thrown up a big field, um, it's always been very competitive and this year it's a uh, it's highly touted in terms of the, the level of horses that we've got here. We've got plenty. We've got three rated over 150. Let's be clear about it. San Juan dancing on my own um, right at the top of the weights. Um, but from a betting perspective, let's be clear about Let's be clear about it for the bang informed Gavin Cromwell uh, team. Uh, Keith Donahue doing all the riding, uh, mainly for them at the moment, uh, heads up betting. Uh, this horse coming back in handicap company after uh, running uh, in a grade one when last seen. Uh, fighting fit for uh, JP Manis. Uh, Mark Walsh on board is in there as well. Slightly better handicap than some of the others. Uncle Phil for Willie Mullins, who's got a couple of horses. But this race over the years, uh, I'll come to UTC first, is. is 
obviously when you're in Ireland, you sort of think they're farm, farmed by the top trainers, but it's been great to see that some of the, the smaller yards have done well in this race. Um, but it looks like the bigger yards probably have managed to find some well handicapped sorts or, or is there something in here that you like to see maybe for the, the smaller trainer? Uh, how have you looked at this race and, and what can you gather for us? Yeah, I mean, it's great to see SBK sponsoring races in Ireland. We should definitely uh, hammer down that point. But it's interesting this race has a wide range of talents, isn't it? I mean, the top weight is running off 153, bottom weight off 127. It's a proper handicap where you could really go for the obvious or not the obvious. Uh, and the market is relatively wide open as well. I think it's 6-1 to one bar the favourite and the favourite is 7-2-ish at the time of recording. So it's a good field. Look, I haven't studied too many Irish races in the last few years. Doesn't mean it's any different to an English race. Obviously, know all the horses, trainers, etc. Uh, but it provides us something different on the podcast, which is good. Um, now, I think this race is probably going to be dominated by those towards the top of the handicap. Whether they're dancing on my own and a big price or whether it's the favourite, uh, let's be clear about it. You know, you can make a case for all of those horses between number one and five, potentially on the race card. I think those towards the bottom of the, the race card, I know they're getting weight, obviously. That's how handicaps work. But they have to improve on their form to really beat the one, the horse at the top. Class can come through in races like this where there's a big disparity in talent. Um, a few horses to briefly touch on before we go into my selection. Fighting Fit is in great form. Definitely can't write him off. Samwa always goes close. The fact he doesn't win is a concern for me, but he's around 12 to 1 and could be a good price for Willie Mullins. Uh, and Dancing on My Own is a very good horse on his day. Probably the second most talented horse in the race. But I'm pretty sure they're using this to get his mark down for spring targets, uh, whether that be Aintree again or uh, Cheltenham or something like that. Um, so that seems a, quite a plausible reason to oppose him, despite the fact he's obviously the value pick, in my opinion. Um, as a result, I'm going to stick with who I believe is the most talented horse in the race, yet isn't carrying top weight. And that is, let's be clear about it. Now, I did my study for this before I saw the prices, uh, which I wouldn't advise to any punter because, you know, you don't really know what you're selecting value-wise. Value uh, however, I'm pretty happy to see 7-2. to two. I was honestly anticipating more 5-2, to 9-4 to four in this horse. So I think there's a good bit of value on let's be clear about it. I know his favourite, value can, you can get value on favourites. Uh, this horse hasn't proved the most hardy in his career. Only had 14 starts and he's a nine-year-old. So there's been big breaks so far. However, he's won six times. He looks very good on his penultimate outing at Cork when winning a grade three. And I just loved how he moved into that race. That was the key. He was hard on the bridle turning in. Uh, it looked like he was really pulling a cart at that point. Jumped his rivals into submission over the final few obstacles and put the race to bed. Now, Connections obviously were impressed with it too because they sent him to the Drimmore last time uh, and he got beaten into third. But again, he moved into the race well. Uh, jumped well and was just found out in the final few furlongs over a longer trip. The winner was Iron Maximus, who won the Irish Grand National last year. A good horse. Uh, didn't do it for a Nicky Henderson, but is doing it in Ireland. Uh, the runner-up uh, was found a 50, who subsequently come out and won a grade one. The, the, what more can you want for form boosts? Uh, that's perfect. Now he drops down in class into a bigger field, which will help given how well he moves through the races. Um, I just think he's going to be so tough to beat. And I know I shouldn't be too bullish, on an Irish race because we don't cover them all that often. I don't bet in them all that often. I think let's be clear about it. Great value and by far the most likely winner. Okay. But I like him. I, I couldn't believe that as well. I thought maybe his price might be down to the fact that I always saw him as a bit of a stayer. Um, he's been running over intermediate trips, coming back down to just over two miles. Whereas at one point, you know, he was running over the like three and three miles and, you know, he's been kept to these intermediate trips. So maybe that's probably the only chink in his armour. Does he have enough speed for this type of race? 
where they can go quite hard um, out in front. So um, he's that's probably why why that price is what it is. But it might get come in because you can't you can't ignore the fact or argue with the fact that he's definitely the 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 class angle in the race. You just look at the races that he's been competing in. So let's be clear about it. Uh, for TC in uh, this very uh, good looking renewal, Dan and Joan Moore Memorial Handicap Chase. And uh, Ross, with to that point, is it class that you're looking for here, or is it look? Are you looking for a, a more a, a sort of a slightly better handicap sort that might be able to to prove themselves capable in this mix? Well, I, I'm hoping I found one that's got a touch of both, actually, Jess, and that's Chavez for Willie Mullins, who's undoubtedly always been very highly regarded, even when he was with Paul Nichols. You know, you go back through, there's plenty of nice quotes about him. I don't know what Chavez translates as, but you'd love to think it's Portuguese for China because he's clearly very fragile. He doesn't see the race course all that much. Um, you know, he, he's literally won a bumper, a maiden hurdle, and he's had now on his third chase start. Um, didn't look to take to chasing all that naturally unseated at the first and then he was pretty scrappy with his jumping when winning at fairy house um but seemed to warm to the task then went missing i thought his return at leperstown was really promising i didn't think he was given his optimum chance the way he was ridden he was ridden i thought to finish his race off and he finished his race off really well um that was a, a, off a off a, a higher mark and, and more weight he gets in here off just 10 stone five He's by Yates. He's going to love this testing ground. I think this trip will be perfect for him. Uh, you know, he beat Golf Marin by, I mean, 25 lengths. It could have been 125 lengths. Golf Marin's 116. You've got to be careful when you're using form lines with fairly moderate horses being beaten by better horses on testing ground. But he's he's clearly a horse that likes uh, testing ground. He's clearly got loads more upside to him if they can just keep him in one piece. Um, and I, I didn't think that, uh, you know, Danny Mullins being put up on him versus Paul Tannen on the other one was was all that relevant given that they haven't got the favourite for the race. Um, so, yeah, I, I really like his chance. I think he's a classy looking horse. 10 stone 5 is no weight at all. Uh, you'll love the ground. Trip is perfect. Um, I expect him to get the job done. Okay, ground is really key here, and looking at it, it's currently soft. It's been pretty dry, very, very cold, and I. This is very much important from from where my selection stands by. So, Ross thinks it's going to be testing, very much so, and would like to hope it will be. I think it's going to dry out <laughs> for my selection, and I hope it will do as well because Uncle Phil, another. Um, a stable companion of Chavez would want it on the better side and has proved that uh, that has really been the, the making of him when he won on his penultimate start at, at Listol, who's very, very good. It's just the way that he ride, uh, runs that, that really interests me for a race like this. He likes to be prominent. He's a very good jumper. He'll go out and, and bowl along. And I think Paul Townend, confidence boost that he's picked him, um, knows that that's what will be um, important for him, going out there and, and going in and showing them all how to jump. He was let down by the ground last time. He just couldn't cope with the soft ground. So I'd want it to dry out a little bit for him. And that might be why he's uh, a slightly good prize for the top string of Willie Mullins's, but a bit like Chavez, he doesn't have a, a, a very high racing weight of 10 stone 12. He's a horse that's 
again, relatively unexposed, probably could be better than this, ran to a good enough level over hurdles, but was never a, a real graded performer. And the fact that Willie Mullins didn't have him in, in any sort of top class races goes to show that they're probably still learning about him. And maybe he's always been better at this uh, at, at, over over fences, but he's by walk in the park out of a Saint de Saint Mare. Um, I think he probably is a horse that will probably improve in time. And he just sort of interests me as a horse that I haven't really, I'm still trying to work out. And I think that, as I say, his racing style will um, be suited to a, a contest like this. So we've all got three different selections. Uh, Willie Mullins is really striking good form. I saw him having three winners yesterday at Clonmel. Uh, he's got some very, very much fancied horses today at uh, uh, the rescheduled at NACE for the Lawless of NACE, the grade one. So we'll see how he gets on, whether you're listening to this um, before or after that race meeting. Um, but Uncle Phil for me, Chavez for Ross, and let's be clear about it, for TC in the SBK sponsored Dan and Joan Moore Memorial Handicap Chase. Um, SBK proud to be sponsoring racing at Fairy House on Saturday. And as I mentioned, uh, racing throughout the course of the next few weeks, again at Fairy House on the 27th of January. And punch us down on the 5th of February. So looking forward to covering that on the podcast in due course. But as I mentioned, we have got racing and we haven't even touched on racing at Warwick. Um, we've got racing at Weatherby. We've got additional racing at Kempton bar the Sylvanarchy Conti Chase. So there are plenty of options for our naps and next best selections. So uh, without um, either Ross or TC taking the mantle of leading uh, naps uh, at winner from 2024 so far, I'll go with the first person that came onto the po podcast for me, and that was Ross, I think. Just about, just squeezed in just a little bit before. So you you go for it. TC was just sorting out the peak of his, his hat for maximum Max Verstappen <laughs> lookalike. Um, it's a week actually where there's there's plenty of uh, 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 of choices, and I, I would have put up one of one of TC's. Um, I won't spoil the surprise, um, but I can sh happily shift across to a couple of others. The first comes at Weatherby in the two fifteen. It's a horse I've been waiting for actually for for a while, and that's the Ollie Murphy train Gunsight Ridge. He's really lightly raced, but to me, he's got very clear uh, criteria that he requires to show his best, and it's soft or heavy ground and, and two miles. When the ground is better, they try and test him out over, stretch him out over two mile three, that sort of trip, and it just doesn't seem to work. When he gets two miles and soft ground, he's a really, really good horse. Um, one at Aintree off one three three in a deep handicap uh, December in 2022, um, went up more than... The two poundies up here, he's been dropped for a moderate run at entry, but that was on quicker ground over further. It just doesn't suit him for whatever reason. It's down to one three five now, so just two pound higher than that entry win. Yes, he's been off a year, but Ollie Murphy is well capable of getting them ready. He's flying along and has been for a while now, Ollie Murphy, you know, kicking around at a really good percentage uh, conversion rate. Um, they all look pretty exposed. All bar Mount Tempest, I suppose, is it is carded in as the favourite at the moment. But he's up £5 for winning what I thought was a fairly ordinary race uh, at Sandown last time. Um, I think Gunsight Ridge can take care of him and win off a mark of 135 in the 215. And then the next best comes in the... I thought, why not go for it? Go for one in the Lanzarote. And it's in Pose I think this ground and, and this trip is just going to bring about so much improvement, I can't tell you. I thought mistakes at the last two hurdles at Ascot clearly cost him victory behind stablemate Lucia, who's a who's a decent mare and was probably very well handicapped at the time. I think he's got loads more to come. Nicky Henderson's really starting to hit his 
hit his straps at the moment. Good ground horses, Kempton, screams Nicky Henderson. I think this horse has got loads more to give. Was impressed with Cheltenham on his penultimate start. And I think uh, we'll take this stepping up and trip and will be one to perhaps follow on into the spring festivals as well. But just what I want to give you, a massive price in that Lanzarote. Teddy Blue is 50 to 1 and I just couldn't not mention him. He's a mile six stayer on the flat. He's been really moody and lacklustre, but he gets cheap pieces on. He goes up in trip. If he just finds it all happening a little bit easier, I did think 50 to 1 was an outrageous price for what is clearly a talented horse. Okay, love it. Really like that. Yeah, I think the Lanzarote is a cracking race this year um, in Poistois uh, for uh, and James Bowen, who what uh, big shoes he's got to fill, but how how effortlessly he seems to be doing it at the moment. Um, believe him to be really right at the top, just like his brother Sean and in Poistois, looking hopefully to give him another uh, big Saturday. Uh, that is for Ross in the Lanzarote, that's the 242 at Kempton, and joining that Gunsight Ridge in the 215 at Weatherby. Okay, there's there's all weather action this weekend, TC, but I like to think that maybe, maybe you, um, we're just a bit like we did with Ross, you're really quite enjoying this chance game. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I, I miss it when I'm away, I have to say. Uh, obviously, it's flat action in Saudi Arabia. You, you know what? I'm, I'm inspired on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when I'm back. Uh, you know, I try to look elsewhere. But um, I'm actually on Sky on Saturday night, and there's Wolverhampton. So I was very keen to put some, a horse up. Honestly, it's one of the worst cards I've ever seen. So, um, you know, I will still be tipping, obviously, on Sky, uh, you know, but uh, not on this podcast. Um, two jumps horses for the Napa Next Best, uh, both relatively short prices. So I'm glad that Ross has put up the 50 to 1 shot because I'm certainly not. Um, my nap this week is Colonel Harry in the 110 at Weatherby, the Grade 2 Towson Novices Chase. He's around even money, 5 to 4 ish. I just love his claims. I think he's pretty much a banker this week. And I don't say that word willy nilly. I hate it when people say this is a good thing, this is a banker. They're not. This is horse racing. Um, but I think he is. If he clear, gets a clear round, um, he's going to be so difficult to beat. He's upwards of £4 superior of all of his rivals on handicap figures. His comeback at, at Chepstow was super impressive. I love how he jumped that day. Uh, he was pinging the obstacles, dominated and, and just pushed clear in the closing stages. Then last time up at Sandown, it was over an adequate trip of just short two miles. He made a key mistake, three out, uh, just as the fields were quickening. That really put him on the back foot. Um, and he lost a, a fair bit of ground and a load of momentum in the race as well immediately came under pressure but it was key that he stayed on so powerfully in the closing stages to only lose out by a length and a quarter to Le Patron he would have won that race if he jumped three out well uh, I have no doubt about that now he faces weaker opposition back up to uh, in trip on heavy ground Colonel Harry looks a good thing to me in the in the 110 at uh, Weatherby for my next best and this this comes with a bit of pain but I'm going to put up a horse who has really done me no favors in two times I bet him and that is Santos Blue in the 250 at Weatherby. Now, I bet against this horse on Boxing Day 2022 with my nap, Sporting Mike, on that big day of the year. Sporting Mike finishes second, beaten half a length by Santos Blue, fuming. Then, I changed my mind on Boxing Day 2023, obviously, last month, uh, napping Santos Blue to win at Weatherby. He comes there travelling after being way off the speed, in the poor ride, um, and finishes second, fuming again. Third time lucky, hopefully, with this horse. I mean, he's clearly well handicapped off a mark of 128. Dan Skelton wouldn't send him up to Weatherby for no reason. He's actually won this race two times in the last four years. He's just the best horse. Hopefully, they ride him slightly closer to the speed this time because he was done no favours last time by being 20 lengths out of the back. Um, heavy ground is an unknown with him. 
that's the one question mark. And if he loses and finishes second again, maybe I'll go in next time. But uh, look, I'm really hopeful that Santos Blue wins the 250 at Weatherby for Dan Skelton and finally gives me some compensation after two luckless defeats. <laughs> You're not the only one. The amount of people that I heard over the Christmas period who said Santos Blue is the nap of the festive period. And so I've, I felt your pain through plenty and uh, Santos Blue's just been yeah frustrating it's been a little bit expensive to follow but let's hope he can give you a bit of redemption and um, so thank you for those Santos Blue uh, for TC in the, the 250 at Weatherby and Colonel Harry in the 110 at Weatherby and he's uh, yeah he's enjoying the jumps game everyone so love to see it and actually my um, my nap is linked quite nicely with Santos Blue because Broadway Boy beat him at Cheltenham back at last April and he runs in the 224 at Warwick, the Hampton novices chase the grade two. And he's third favourite. Now, Apple away, so much respect for her. Obviously, a very talented mare. She won basically a Mickey Mouse race last time. There's not a huge amount of substance with that form. I don't know what she's beat. Yes, she gets a lot of weight from, from uh, the opposite sex, and that's uh, that will help her. But she's going to have to be a lot, lot better to beat Grey Dawning and Broadway Boy. I couldn't, I found it very difficult to separate Grey Dawning and Broadway Boy. Grey Dawning, um, uh, was unlucky really last time at Cheltenham where he just missed the final flight and he could have got to Ginny's destiny and maybe Harry Skelton didn't give him the best of rides either but that slight chink in his arm and, and his jumping might find him out against a horse that's just been rock solid this year in Broadway Boy I find it difficult to see why he is such a big price maybe it is the weight that he's got to give away he's a six-year-old that's absolutely flourishing um he um has obviously been enjoying life around Cheltenham but it I think that Warwick will really suit him he's a horse really going places and I think if you can get around about five to two against those other two um he he's a he's a good bet for me as my nap selection and then I'm going to take Ross on in the Lanzarote hurdle um we'll go back there in the 242 and Nemon Lion is a horse that ran a, a very good race in the Great Wood he was fifth in it when last seen behind Iberico Lord and he just didn't really stay up the hill I think and I think coming back to a track like Kempton might suit. Kerry Lee's been in fine, fine form. Uh, this horse has got um, 11 stone 11, which is probably quite a lot compared to some of the others in here. But I think he's a real talent. He's probably been laid out for this. He's been given a nice break. Um, and the son of Golden Horn um, is my next best for uh, the Lanzarote hurdle, which I think is a very, very good race this year. And 19 runners makes it nice and competitive. And hopefully um, there'll be a bit of value around. So those are our next best nap selections for what is really our first uh, podcast of 2024. Um, we're pretty certain that everything is going to be uh, safe this weekend. I'm not too certain about next week with a lot of cold weather coming. So TC, wrap up. It's going to be very cold. Uh, put on an extra layer. Um, and hopefully we will be back for some racing next week in and around what looks to be a bit of a freezing spell. So uh, thank you for joining us. Don't forget, all new SBK users get £30 in free bets when you sign up and bet £10 for the first time. Head to SBK for lots of other offers, promotions throughout the course of this weekend. And make sure to like and subscribe. We'll be net we'll be back next week come rain, sunshine, whatever. We'll give you a preview and hopefully the racing will be on. So we'll see you next week.